Hi, I'm Bregan Jane. I am an interior designer, philanthropist, lifestyle expert, and this is A Student's Perspective. We hope you like this discussion with the design industry from a student's perspective. Please like, share, and comment, and stay tuned for more inspiring conversations to come. So hi, my name is Paige, and this is A Student's Perspective. Today I'm talking with Bregan Jane. She's a designer, entrepreneur, and philanthropist, um, and several other titles come with that as well. But we're really excited to have this conversation, and if you enjoy this conversation, please like, share, and comment below. Um, and so now, thank you so much for coming. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. We're truly honored to have you on A Student's Perspective. Um, it's nice to have people who are also have these on-camera personalities that have so much background to offer and kind of share with us, the students of even Marywood University and further. So, Bregan, would you like to just quickly introduce yourself to the people? Yes. Hi, I'm Bregan. Um, I am an entrepreneur at heart, and I started an interior design business over 10 years ago. Um, I love anything creative, but I also have that math brain, so building where it's at, if you are interested in that. Um, but I also built a brand around who I am authentically, and that is a mother now, um, not always, but now my boys are five and seven, and I'm a single mom, and um, I've just added this title of lifestyle expert to the brand, and we're growing every day. Hi, I'm Bregan Jane. Welcome to my world. I've walked a million miles. I am an interior designer. That's yeah. just where my heart is. My own I wanted to read you my story, Carby. What do you hope kids reading this book will take away? I think it was about making struggle approachable and more of a positive thing. Bring it on home, bring it on home. Hello and welcome to our home. When I find myself, I'm a an innovative interior designer, entrepreneur, radio show host, and founder of Mom Life Yo. Try taking a few deep breaths. We want to give them the space to heal and move on. We are not on time with this house. Even if it takes all night, we're going to get this done, right? Right. Yeah. Because we are bringing them home tomorrow. Don't you love that medallion on the top? I want to go really bold with the tile on the floor. Regan put a lot of thought into this yes. room. I mean, do you remember? I had to like step yeah. on chairs to sit down. Okay, wait. I, I'm going to prove I can do this. I love how you're stacking those. No two colors next to each other. I get it. You must be a professional. There you go. If you want something done, ask mom. There is more furniture flying around this house than I have ever seen in one space ever. The Barobis showed us with their heart and their soul that all the hard work we put in truly meant something to them. And that made it all worth it. Yeah, so there's so many, there's obviously a lot of different outlets that are said to be covered about your artistic career and just the empowerment that you're able to offer to others and everything that you're able to speak to. So I'm really excited to go down a few different paths today as we start. But I kind of want to hear about your first journey within either the design world or maybe your education and where it kind of brought you into this creative journey. So it's interesting because when I look at where I am now, it makes so much sense looking back. 
But when I was there then, I had no idea that I would be where I am now. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. The little parts that make you you, I think, are there all along, and people see them and recognize them sometimes before you do. Um, so it all makes sense now, but it didn't when I started. Um, for me, I had the opportunity at 18 to sort of start a clothing store, and I took on a lot of responsibility really early, knowing that I wanted to choose my path and career than be subjected to my options. Um, and that was that sort of mentality still is with me today. You know, it's it's nobody calls me and tells me you should do this today or here's your to do list or you should be achieving these goals or these sales strategies. That's entirely made up in my mind and constantly changing because at the root of it, what I'm always trying to do is be ahead of the marketplace in terms of positioning myself as a brand, but then also as an investor in real estate, I'm looking at the missed opportunities or the diamond in the rough. And I don't know where that confidence came from, but I think it's because it's authentic to who I am. Right. So I really love like a really torn up, beat up house <laughs> in a great neighborhood because I'm like, oh, what it can be. And that <laughs> ignites my soul. And when I've chased other careers that were creative or entrepreneurial that fed some of those, I didn't get that same spark. You know, like making, um, I did booth displays for a while and branding. Like whenever I could make something better by the use of my creativity, I felt great. Right. So getting into commercial and retail within your own design, how did that kind of begin? Or independently begin? Independently begin. So I spent um, a lot of time working for another individual who had me in sort of a, an estate manager position, which um, meant I was constantly running the household, but he also was acquiring and remodeling properties while we did that. So right. for me, taking on the responsibility and trust, I think very early on, I took on a lot of responsibility and learned on somebody else's dollar before I went out and did it myself. Right. And I did it as if it was for myself. Hmm. And that way, when I was ready to go on by myself, I had, I had looked at what I was doing, every dollar I was spending, every choice I was making, as if what would I do if I were in your position, um, and what do I really think is the best? Yeah. I think a lot of times we're trying to like check off to do lists or just complete a task list, but not thinking about the next steps and how it affects the person and is this a good use of the dollars and that reputation followed me that crew followed me because I built my my tradespeople in LA you know working with me they showed up to site not for my boss but for me who called them who always paid them who always take care of them who always had things laid out who always knew what I wanted and so it was nice um, even as I continue to grow now people will follow me because I do what I say and say what I'm going to do. And I know that sounds so simple. Um, I find that on the other side of employment now, um, not everybody thinks that way. Mm -hmm. uh, 
It's just sort of like, who am I supposed to call today to show up? Not like, where, you know, it's, a, it's human beings that we're connecting with in business constantly. Um, and construction is a very wide scale, which I love about it, of cultures and different walks of life and different things they're good at. You know, my plumber can't do what my electrician can do. My electrician can't do what my contractor does. My contractor can't pick fabrics for a couch. You know, so this big mix of people that you have to bring together. Mm-hmm. It's one of the powerful things about design in general is being able to work with so many different um, just people with these strengths in different niches of the design industry and be able to use their strengths to yours and be able to combine it all as a designer in general. But I think a lot of this uh, kind of journey that you've already described, it goes a lot to say about your personality and mostly your work ethic. And did it kind of feel like that for years to where you were always kind of after it to achieve the best in order to finally make it somewhere? And did you ever have that day where you finally like, I finally made it? No, I still haven't made it. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I think that um, for me, I really believe in sort of this like one life principle. You know, I can either spend today being embarrassed that I fell down and my skirt flew up or I can decide that I want to help women in the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm neither are important and neither are really going to matter because I'm only one human being. But with my 24 hours in a day, what do I want to spend my time thinking about accomplishing and going after? Um, so I've always been driven um, because I... I didn't want to be in the position to have somebody else dictate what my life or my days were going to look like. Mm -hmm. I knew if I had to make that decision, I had to rise up to what that meant. Um, Reverse engineering is one of my favorite tactics. Like, (laughs) where do you want to be in five years? Not a year, because people always overestimate. Not 10, because, you know, but like three to five. Where do you want to be? And then reverse it. Like, You know, for myself, um, I would love to be more involved philanthropically in um, girls' schools in Africa. So I am like, okay, then I've got to get more involved in a charity. Okay, after I, you know, and you can sort of reverse it. Like if you want to have a school one day for girls, you've got to start by having a charity sort of representation and communication and learn about the cause. So I like to reverse everything backwards and then just try to get up that mountain. Yeah, so I think that it definitely applies to all aspects of your life, whether it be your design-driven kind of attitude in terms of a project as small as that, but in a larger scale of helping others as much as you really can and where can you extend yourselves within not only this field but outside of that and helping people in other countries. And I think that's so incredible. So I do want to talk about how philanthropy has played such a large role in your career and the ability to always be able to help others. Where did that kind of start and where has it grown to? I, luckily for me, that started, my parents were pretty influential in always helping others and having a chari- charity-driven hearts, mm-hmm. um, whether that was opening our home, like there's always somebody random living in my house who like was going to school or, you know, just moved here. That's just who my parents were. But then my father also just really taught me that you can, 
I used to get really depressed. I used to be like, I can't change the world. And he was like, you know what? You can't. I was yeah. like, what? I can't? And he was like, no, but you for sure can make a difference for somebody somewhere. I don't care if that's buying a homeless man's shoes. Like, mm -hmm. you can make a difference for somebody somewhere. So pick. Pick what it is you want to make a difference about and then start making a difference one person at a time, one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I want that to be a part of my brand and persona because had I not been born into the family that I was given, I'm not sure so many people talk about how important that is. You know what I mean? Like rarely do we sit around with our friends like, what have you done for somebody else today? <laughs> you know, yeah. in a positive light. Um, it also gives me a lot of power. Um, I'm not very ego driven when it comes to feeling like my accomplishments matter, but I know what I want to achieve. And for that reason, I know I have to show up and be my best, biggest self. And in those moments where I don't feel like being my biggest, best self, right? When I recognize that it's not about me, it's about the things that I can do, it's about the people that I can help, it motivates me past a bad day. Um, I remember recently, like, I showed up on set and I was just, I just like, you know, we all have days where I'm just like, I'm not feeling this, I don't want to talk to strangers, I don't feel cute, I have to sit on my skin, like, whatever all those things are that we all go through, right? Mm -hmm. And I was just like, Brigham, you have an opportunity to be on TV right now. And not just that, but you have an entire crew that's going to meet you and work with you. What do you want them to think about you? Like, what do you want them to walk away with? And I just was like, if I can make everyone today feel good, then that's all I need to focus on. Forget about the lines, forget about the things, forget anyone you interact with. I want them to walk away with a smile. And that became my goal for the day. And that led to a great filming day and great reviews. And we'd love to work with Brigan again. But when I make it not about myself, it helped me achieve what I was there to do. Yeah, so what is your, I mean, your on-camera personality is incredible. We love watching you in all these different places, but you were on TV even earlier than, say, HGTV or ABC. And how has that kind of progressed? And being able to now apply it within, like, with your design knowledge, does it just make it that much better? Yes. Yeah. Well, so I live in L.A. I grew up in L.A. We are a uh, entertainment industry based area. This is this is what my neighbors do. This is the industry that I grew up in and was given. And there's so many facets to it. I knew kind of early on in a weird way. I was like, I don't really think I'm an actress. Like, I don't want to be an actress. Like, I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, <laughs> It was interesting to find myself in a position to be good at something I loved and understand the power of media presence. Yeah. And so it kind of came full circle and I wasn't expecting it in terms of utilizing it to strengthen my brand. Um, recently I had some of my employees over in my house who we were recording something for something who knows what and I just looked up and I kind of giggled and I said I think if I were a doctor I would be doing these same things I think that if I were a bartender I'd be doing these same things because I am the type of person that wants to share my knowledge and grew up in media and 
and am comfortable with it to an extent. Nobody ever is, so I uh, don't think you need to be. But I wanted my voice to be a part of my story, regardless of what profession I picked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, the fact that people recognize your personality and the ability to relate with someone at any sort of scale and I think having that media presence or even being someone that others look up to, which so many people do that are younger, like, and even I think back to my early years, like getting into college and things that inspire you, you never know what's going to be that thing that clicks for you that is the decision to even apply to a college to take a certain degree. And it's funny because a lot of those things do happen on HGTV. People see one thing that sparks an interest and they're like, I could see myself doing that someday. And so the fact that you're able to be that person to allow people to see what it's like on the inside is one of the coolest things that I can imagine. So it's really neat. Hi everyone, I'm Bregan and welcome to Extreme Makeover Heart and Home. This episode features the construction of the hanging daybeds for the Mosley family. Jessica is raising an active family in Cheyenne, Mackenzie, Annie, Jordan, and Miguel. As a mom, Jessica is looking to give her children the lounge space from heaven and a much deserved place to rest. The outside space is where I really wanna give Jessica a sort of custom seating option where she can relax. Jessica loves to read, but didn't have a quiet space to do so. It was her dream to have daybeds on the back porch where she could snuggle up with her favorite book. And the best part about the beds is that they are large enough for an entire family to enjoy. I think it's nice to yeah. sort of suspend yourself in air and relax. Is it a swing or is it stable? It's a stable day bed and we're putting two of them across from each other and they each take a twin mattress so there'll be lots of extra seating. I have an antique armoire that I'm incorporating on the back of this bench to really bring in some of those Spanish warm vibes. Team Bregan is making dreams come true by helping me build these day beds. Jessica does not have a space or moment for herself. Oh. So I want to create some relaxation. This is going to be perfect for that. These hanging day beds, they are large enough to fit two people comfortably. Twin mattress large. It's going to be a nice place to just sit out on the porch, relax, take the stress off and get away. And you measured this so that it would fit the mattresses, right? Yep. Measure, okay. measure twice, cut once. That's the motto right there. I like that. Efficient. Have you ever heard of a pocket hole? Check this out. This is joined with pocket holes. Yep. So it's a kind of nifty, easy, do-it-yourself way of joining two pieces of wood. Okay. So if you look here on the front. Yep. You see these little divots right in here? Oh, those are so smart. Yeah, so what we're gonna do is that is driven right through the middle of the wood. Okay. And it's gonna go drive a screw directly into the middle of the other wood. Are so you gonna we'll, let me try? Yes, ma'am. Push down. Money. I love repurposing pieces with character, especially as a design feature element. Making custom pieces always just helps the house have its own individual personality. It, it does, especially taking something you know old that was with the family before yep. and then repurposing it. That's exactly what I love to do. Spanish boho chic, anyone? Somewhere go like this. I mean, it's gonna just... that's a Spanish boho chic to me. Warm wood tones really speak to sort of that Spanish element that you see, especially in these rich, deeper colors. But I love that there's some carved out flair, um, and it's still 
clean lines around it. It is. So excited to see this house come to life. I really think the juxtaposition of the design elements on this hanging daybed truly brought it to life. The modern base really popped that Spanish armoire detail we brought in, but it's the mattress that you can just sink into every day. This is so awesome. This is amazing. And Pam and Jessica, oh my God. these like, are each your daybeds. Okay. One for each of you. These daybeds are for mom and grandma so they can relax while you guys play with all the special features, right? You always want to keep the eyes on the kids, but you need a comfortable, self-charging space to do that from. So on the daybeds, you can do that. Do you recognize the back of the daybeds? Yeah. Is it the dresser? It is an armoire that we refurbished to bring in that Spanish style. I love that I was able to give Jessica these custom hanging daybeds for her home. She's floating on air. Jessica needed this for herself, but it also meets the needs of her five children as well. Thank you. And so I want to talk a little bit about women empowerment too. And just, I think also being a mother in general and yeah, impressive as it is, how do you continue to kind of empower women and pervade that kind of message to your viewers? So weird. Like, it's so authentic, but um, it's just interesting to, like, be in a position to say that this is what is important to me. But it is. Um, I just think I often get underestimated. And <laughs> I've sort of used that as my powerful tool. I recently was watching Looney Tunes, and I don't know if you guys remember Looney Tunes, but there's always like the villain and then the cute little mouse character, and it's like the cat catching the mouse, right? But in every episode, the mouse sort of, with his knowledge and with like weird sort of trickery, always gets the cat, right? Like he like out talks him from eating him. He like, you know, slips under behind him and bangs him on the head and always gets out on top and is like, or poor putty tag, you know, like, and so for me, I have felt that my vulnerable positioning as a woman, as young, as mixed race, all of these things kind of just made me sort of this unassuming character that always was just able to use it to the best of my abilities. Yeah. But I recognized that I was underestimated and I didn't like that. You know what I mean? Like, I recognize my peers were going up against things they shouldn't be. Um, I saw that people had prejudices. As I traveled, I saw that those were different or deeper. And I was just like, no, just, just no. Um, and so it's, a, it's important to me that by being myself, um, I can stand up for the next person that maybe doesn't feel, you know, as powerful in their vulnerabilities. Yeah. Yeah, it happens so often. I mean, even within our careers, we see it in school too, is there's this strict divide between women and men just because of the the population difference within universities. And it's such a shame because whether the interior design industry becomes 80% to 20% female to male, it's there's a stipulation that uh, always happens around it, and there's a judgment barrier between 
interiors and architecture too. And I think that's really limiting for us, but to continue the conversation and to continue to encourage people to the path that they desire and there needs to be no limitations on our gender at all is something that needs to continue to be talked about. So I appreciate that. You have to hire for it. I have to push past my own limitations. Mm -hmm. You know, being pregnant on a construction site, people are like, and you're just like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. You know, and so I think that it's just not accepting sort of the, the people that brush you off. And if they do, not exerting your energy there. I remember the first time I went to a trade show in the interior design space. It was mainly men, a lot of Caucasian men. And I was just like, oh, I, I called my, my right hand at home and I was like, this is going to be like taking candy from a baby. <laughs> Instead of thinking, I never will belong here. This is too much for me. Um, and like I said, I know that not everybody has that reaction, but the more that you can just learn to not accept the no's, um, just push past them. Because people yeah. have got opinions about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's no reason that everyone shouldn't have that same confidence you do, but that that is such a great thing to hear. I think we realize it too with a lot of age gaps and differences, and that's part of the reason we have this conversation here as well is because so often we go to trade shows and students are allowed at trade shows every once in a while. There's different entry times that they're allowed in, and sometimes there's different ticket levels and things like that. And when you approach a vendor or someone of that sort, they're like, oh, well, you're not a buyer, then they look at you totally differently. And it's just not the same conversation that you would have if you were in the trade. Whereas half the time, most of us are either interns for a company or work for a firm or already have knowledge of firm life. And it's like, there's always some lens that appears, but to be able to continue to, yeah. Yeah, no, what I was gonna say though, is sometimes those relationships that you form when you're underestimated are the most important. So the people at the trade shows who didn't necessarily want to talk to me or were just like, like, okay, moving on. And then the ones that I have have grown so deep over years that they're coming to fruition even now in branded partnerships, even now in opportunities, because at the time I wasn't ready. You know what I mean? But years later, they they still think of me. I still think of them. They feel vested in my journey. So just because you're not showing up with a brand, just because you're not showing up with buying dollars, doesn't mean you won't. And you rather work with the person that talked to you when you didn't have the purchasing power versus the person who would only talk to you when you had the purchasing power Mm -hmm. and I lead my life that way in a lot of relationships and they give back so much more Mm -hmm. this makes me excited to just literally share with the students that I've already ventured to some of the trade shows with because I think that's such a unique aspect and people need to feel empowered when talking to even elders or someone of that high respect and learn from them because it's constantly a learning process I learned from you just by having these conversations and learning not what exactly your path was but how you gained some of that information and what was crucial to you and so that's why we continue to do those things but I also want to transition a little bit to talking about your blog. I think that's such a big part of who you are as not only an influencer in terms of being able to apply all this stuff, but a lifestyle expert. So where did the blog kind of arise from? Has it always been a passion for you? or? So I reverse engineered my 
<laughs> my path. Um, and I have like Martha Stewart goals. Mm-hmm. And I looked at what she was doing and I was like, content creation. Like if I, like it was easy to take, there were enough like cookie cutters. I look at magazines, I look at Ellen, I look at, you know, all these people that I would aspire to be one day. And it was very easy for me to see well, all of them create content on a regular basis. Um, And so I think I just saw recently, I don't remember how long I started my blog, but it was a really long time ago. (laughs) It had lots of failed attempts. And at one point it was like a wife blog because that's what I was at the time. And at one point it was something else. So what you see now is the culmination of all those learning pieces, right? Um, I love doing these things with myself and I, I recommend this highly. Mm-hmm. I promise that if I blogged once a week for a year, then I can buy a website because real websites are expensive yeah. and it was an investment in myself. And so often we're like, I'm going to buy the website so I can blog every week because I will, you know, and then you never do. <laughs> Honestly, it's a disservice to yourself because it's energy, time, money that could have gone towards something you might learn that you like to do or not like to do. So I always think of that as part of the success of the blog and what it is now is I I made myself work for it. Mm -hmm. I, I put, again, nobody telling me to do these things, nobody saying I couldn't do it, no positioning that changed, but... I just said, if you're going to be serious about this, show me first to Mm -hmm. myself that you will do it and then really invest on what it's going to look like and how you're going to put it out. But don't don't put the cart before the horse or however that saying goes. (laughs) Yes. I mean, you've cultivated such a strong brand and be able to provide that through some of the content that you release to people. It's it's educational now and and insightful. So it does all the above. So I am looking forward to your magazine because it better be coming out. Right? I know, right? Three to five year plan. Yeah. So I know you've done some things with um, not only like creative direction, kind of already how we've talked about, but even marketing. And how has that played into this role? And where, like, where have these skills been learned from? Because it's it's just all there. Full of hard knocks. No, I think you learn so much more through personal relationships with people who have created their own companies or business structures. So I have always been the weirdo to like walk up to the 55 year old man and be like, how did you start? And where, you know, but not so cheesy, sort of get into these deeper conversations of why and how. And then I've been willing to, in LA, I think in the entertainment industry, there is this whole moment where there's a lot of assistants who just go and get coffees. Yes. And there's so many assistants who go and get coffees and never do anything different and might not end up in the industry. And then there's the people who are really good at going and getting coffees and the small conversations and they use that moment to build their career. And you'll hear like years later, oh, I remember Billy when he used to be going and getting coffees. But obviously he took those opportunities and used them. Mm-hmm. Um, and And it's more about what you can offer and being your authentic self than trying to be somebody who can impress somebody you're getting coffee for, right? Mm -hmm. Because 
I think so many times people are, they try to take advantage of their positioning and their relationships too early on, instead of just authentically being interested in learning. Mm -hmm. um, so if I go back to that learning perspective, that's usually when I can grasp the most and then like step up into that stool when I'm ready. It's also the power to manifest what you'd like to manifest. And I think that confidence that you already keep talking about, if you, I mean, being a coffee girl or something of that nature, like putting yourself at a lower position and saying, this is all I'm doing, but there's so much more that you can do. And this is what I get to do too. And confidence doesn't necessarily look the way that I think it's um, portrayed, right? So for me, I had um, a, a very good position at like 23. And I remember I purposely never wore makeup, never did my hair, and always wore like really cheesy like suits and dresses, like just like kind of ill-fitting shirts and like weird non-iron pants because I, I didn't want my, as a woman, I didn't want that to lead first. You know what I mean? I wanted to be respected. Um, whereas like confidence, I think is portrayed as coming in with the right purse and the coffee and the glasses. And it's like, no, my confidence was saying, I'm more than a young, cute girl who's here. I'm here to do a job and learn. And so, um, I also just encourage people to question what confidence really is um, versus what it's portrayed to be. Mm -hmm. I think that professionalism is just so strong. And it definitely takes nowadays finding the right company and the right people that you surround yourself to to share that same message because it definitely still exists where there's you are seen as something else before you're even heard. And that is such a shame, but hopefully it's ever changing. <laughs> I'll change it. <laughs> exactly. So it's fun and it's great. And I, I think that it's just, I don't, I'm not a confident all the time. I would say I'm really resilient. Yeah. I get really embarrassed. I deal with a lot of anxiety, like literally like my anxiety sometimes, especially now. It's just, <laughs> and people are like, no way. You seem so. Yeah. You seem so. And I'm like, I know. But <laughs> voice. Am I going to listen to that voice? Or am I going to live this one life, one life I was given, and be who I want to be? Not who I think I am, not who I want to portray, but like, am I going to show up today despite the fact that I have a zit on my nose? Am I going to show up today despite the fact that I didn't prepare for this meeting? You know? Um, and you get to a certain point in your career and it still happens. And I've had to show up to meetings and be like, I didn't review the material. Mm -hmm. I'm 15 minutes late and I still have to be in that meeting and somehow try to portray the best me, even that I want to literally crawl under a hole because I should, you know, like you're not, you're not on your A game, mm -hmm. but usually those moments of authenticity and saying like, I'm sorry. Um, and by the way, I have a really good, uh, I've been told recently not to say I'm sorry, but to say thank you. Oh, thank you for accepting that I was late. Thank you for giving me extra time. Thank you for your patience. Um, so I'm always learning.
Um, you know. But yeah, the confidence thing I just wanted to share is not, it's not like I'm the girl who wakes up in the mirror, unlike everybody else. And I'm like, yeah, I got this. I just choose to push past it. Yeah. And the bottom line is you're showing up for others too. You you consider others before you almost consider yourself in those instances a lot of the times. And in order to better those around you, it will better yourself and you'll come out of it with a different attitude every yeah. single time. Hey, um, my favorite party trick um when i was young and in college um i think we all get put in social settings where we don't know anyone mm -hmm. and i had this thing in my head where i would say everyone else here probably feels like you do and doesn't know anybody else so go find somebody and make them feel comfortable sweet <laughs> no i capture that um you know, so I, I do want to talk a little bit more about your design style and kind of because this whole conversation all goes back to the reason we do design interiors and it's for the other person or for not necessarily a specific clientele, but to touch that person, to create experiences for them. And so, um, well, when I was reading your website or something, some blog or something of the sorts, I heard something along the lines of interior design detail. What does that kind of mean to you in terms of the way that you're able to design? I think detail comes in choices that you make. Um, and details can be big or small, or they can just be scheduling, or they can just be budget, but it all comes down to the details. Um, I would say my aesthetic is modern luxury. So I like a house that you can live in, that you can hang out in, that you can run into Sandy or whatever else that's just what I prefer. I don't want something so pretty I feel like I can't sit down. But I'm also really drawn to like the Palace of Versailles and sparkles and gold and I have been from the beginning, um, which probably is why I'm an interior designer. Um, and then I also have just learned the uh, strength of clean lines. You know, most of the most iconic structures uh, are ones we can draw with only a few simple lines. I'm sure you guys have heard this, the, yeah. the Eiffel Tower, everything else. So when it comes to our spaces, um, even our minds, we tend to cloud everything with the junk. So mm -hmm. my design definitely took a turn at some point into, you know, subdued luxury. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, <laughs> I want to be able to cultivate for other people, their optimal living. And so it's actually been a little bit of a, a PR struggle for uh, us as a company because most of the client work we do, although I'm sure if I lined them all up, you'd be like, yeah, that's Brigan. We don't plan Brigan into our actual clients. What I'm really good at is bringing their personal style out and creating a home that is usable and great for them and the 10-year relationship where they hire me back but it might not be the thing that arc digest wants to photograph right uh, so it's, it's an interesting balance i love that i mean it just goes to show how strong of a relationship personality is and getting to know your clients that nature to where you can design so specifically for them so I guess I'd like to leave off because we're running a little bit later on time, but if you could give any sort of 
advice to students, especially even students of my university of any sort of design kind of industry um, that you can imagine? What kind of advice would you give them now or that you wish you knew when you were our age? <laughs> There's a lot of options here. <laughs> I have so many things I could say. Um, honestly, like, if you are striving for excellence from yourself, you have to be willing to do it and exude it. So that means the 2 a.m. You know, working on your craft. That means skipping out on the things that you feel like you should be doing. It sometimes looks like making the unpopular decision. But if you truly want your own success, you have to put that above a lot of other things and um, you'll get there, you know? You really will. If you put in the work, you'll get there. Don't give up. Giving up means you failed and you will fail if you give up. But if you keep going, you, you'll you get there. I kind of like that reverse ladder uh, five-year plan too. That's something that I now keep in mind forever for a little while. <laughs> The map's there for you. Somebody else has done it. <laughs> so one more thing, would you be able to tell the viewers just where they can find you, whether it be on social media, Instagram, or your website? Of course. Everything's at Bregan Jane. Uh, yeah. B-R-E-G-A-N-J-A-N-E. And uh, every social handle, every website, every everything. I am me. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having this conversation again. I can't thank you enough. Of course. Thank you. Letting me show up in the real real. Yeah, exactly. Even if it has to be from afar, it's allowed us to have so many great conversations. And the fact that I'm over in New Jersey right now on the other side of the coast, so it's we're still going to make these things happen. So that's been another episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, continue as the conversation continues next week from a student's perspective. We hope you like this discussion with the design industry from a student's perspective. Please like, share, and comment, and stay tuned for more inspiring conversations to come.